Impact leadership. What does it mean to wake up each day knowing your work, effort, and passion is being transformed into creating change that makes a difference in your business, organization, community, and your own life experience? And it can be hard to stay on track when at times the winds do not blow in your direction. But you persevere one step forward at a time, creating something better. This is fulfillment in action. And this is passion for impact. Educating, empowering, and elevating social consciousness in people, business, and teams. One inspiring conversation at a time. Passion for Impact is brought to you by Speak Plus. We train leaders on how to communicate with care and clarity. Learn tools to level up your voice, your energy, and your confidence. Your team will thank you for it. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash speak plus for more details. This is the Passion for Impact podcast with speaker, trainer, and socially conscious advocate, Tricia Miltimore. So today I have a very fun and special guest, saw him live in action not too long ago, and I was like, oh my gosh, you got to come on the podcast, please. Jan Jaffer is an experienced dentist with an infinite mindset, creating socially conscious, value-based businesses in dentistry, health, and management. Jan is a very inspiring speaker, like I mentioned, and a leader making big impact in the micro moments with his team and also through philanthropic projects around the world. He regularly volunteers with Kindness in Action, Dentistry for All, and the Alex Bus. He's been on 14 overseas dental missions, maybe it's more now, to perform dentistry in remote communities in Guatemala, Peru, Tibet, Morocco, and Ecuador. In 2018, Trek Dental partnered with the Cups the QPS, to operate a free dental clinic in Calgary, providing care to some of Calgary's neediest citizens. He is Canadian. You can always find out more about this amazing human at trekflow.com. Thank you for being here, Jan. I'm so happy to have you on Passion for Impact. Thanks, Prashad. Thanks for the introduction. That was amazing. Oh, yeah, I just threw that together. It's so easy when you can find all kinds of things about people like yourself online, right? I feel like I'm I'm kind of stalking you, but you know. It's all for a cause. Absolutely. Uh, so let's give some context for everyone listening. So I work as a speaker and you invited me in to work with your group. And I was floored by how engaged your very large team of people were. And it was a, a wonderful team kind of experienced. Um, it was over two days, I believe. Was it two days or one uh, day? It was just one day this time. It was one day, but it was like just hundreds of people all just kind of I felt the vibe. And then you got up and you spoke a little bit about what the company means, what the people mean, you know, as a, as a group, a collective and the work that you do. And I was just very inspired, very inspired. And I, like I mentioned in the intro, I wanted to have you on here for two reasons. One, I mean, I want to extrapolate from your brain, how you get the ideas and how you implement such um, large and what is, how do you say it? Like immersive experiences for your team and everyone Mm -hmm part of your community, essentially. And of course, number two is to also really dive into your own story about how you became the impact leader that you are. So I know that's a lot right there, but maybe we can start with your story about how you got into dentistry. And, you know, I don't think everyone thinks that dentistry is like, well, you're making impact because you're helping people's health, but you guys take it to such a different level that social consciousness is just part of who you are. Tell me your story about how you became a leader with an impact mindset. Yeah. I mean, I guess it goes back, you know, a number of years and, you know, how do you get into dentistry and then how do you 
you know, I mean, make impact through community. And for me, I grew up in a dental family. So my dad's a dentist, my mom ran the practice. And so from a young age, I was, you know, involved in dentistry. And I was fortunate enough to get a opportunity to go down to the U.S. to go to school. And so I, out of high school, moved down to California and got into the special program that allowed me in five years to do my undergrad and dental school. And, you know, at 22, I'd graduated and I was a dentist back in Calgary, practicing at 22 years old, which gave me an advantage because I was younger than everybody, but it gave me some extra years. You know, the average dentist is graduating around 24, 25, 26, 27, usually. Um, and so I got to get a little bit ahead of that and, and, you know, start with my father, which was a great experience because I had literally the best mentor in dentistry, um, being my dad and a great mentor in my mom in terms of how to actually manage people uh, and manage a business because, you know, dentistry is more than just, you know, helping people, which is a big part of it, but you also have to be able to manage people and manage business at the same time. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole package, isn't it? So you had this idea inside of yourself to make impact in community, but how did you come up with the ideas of how to create so many different kind of paths of that? Because it's not just like you use the business for good, you're using your, your people are involved in this as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that goes back to, you know, to really just how you grew up. I mean, I grew up in a family where Social responsibility was just part of what you did. It wasn't an option. The community I grew up in, you know, volunteering was just what you what you did. You didn't grow up and say, should I volunteer? You were expected to volunteer. And when you're in that type of environment, it just becomes a part of your DNA. And so when I got out of dental school and, and, and throughout dental school and did, you know, Duke of Edinburgh and did a whole bunch of different things along the way, and when I got out, you know, I joined my father who was already in his own means, quite philanthropic. I mean, he, it was quite interesting. He ran the World Partnership Walk for Calgary 20 years before I was the chair of the World Partnership Walk wow. here in Calgary, raising, you know, over a million dollars in, in, in a year for international development. Well, he did that first. And so, you know, just following in his footsteps of being able to give back to people. But I think where we took it a little further and, and one of the advantages that I had is that when I joined my father, we had one, one dental clinic. And my goal was always to take over dad's clinic and, and run a successful business. But we ended up getting an opportunity to open a second dental clinic. And then, you know, a year later, or two years later, another new development, open another dental clinic. And, you know, fast forward to today, you know, we have 18 dental clinics here in Calgary. And people ask all the time, they're like, when is it enough? Do you not kind of make enough? Do you not do enough? Like, why do you need another dental clinic? And and I try to explain it to people, and, and I don't know if people do believe me, but hopefully through the work that I do, they do, is that, you know, the more hands we have, the more people we can help. And that's truly how we look at it as an organization. If I have, and there's now 200 people in this organization, there's 200 hands that can, well, 400 hands technically, that can give back, that can do work, that can help others. And so we build that as the foundation of the Trek organization is, you know, social responsibility is one of the things that we find, you know, defines us and, and helps us, you know, live a better life. And we have great people that are always willing to step up and help out. You just came back from a trip, didn't you? I saw I it on LinkedIn. Yeah, so you said 14 <laughs> trips and now it's 15. So uh, just, you just, uh, just got back from Guatemala not even two weeks ago. 
doing another volunteer trip. And, and this was special because we'd been gone for a couple of years, you know, during COVID, we couldn't travel, so we couldn't go back. And I've been to Guatemala now 10 times, and then obviously Peru, Ecuador, Tibet, Morocco as well. But Guatemala is where I did my first volunteer trip. And it's one of the trips that, you know, every year is already in my schedule. Sometime in February, I'll head down to Guatemala for about 10 days. And and, and this year was great because we got to take more of our team. So, you know, generally there's about 18 to 20 of us that go down. This year, nine of those people were from our Trek Dental group. So three dentists, three assistants, three hygienists, all from our group that went down together. And so it just made it that much more special. We usually have a couple of us that go down, but to have your team, you know, truly believe, because they're not getting paid to be down there. They're volunteering their time as well to go down and help and to know that we've, you know, created a culture of where these people would happily give 10 days of their life to go help others, you know, made me feel special. Yeah, that must be it's so rewarding, I can imagine, on so many levels. Let's talk about that creating the culture. That's certainly a big part of business and it's, you know, it's kind of a buzzword. What are your tips for those who want to infuse socially conscious activities in their businesses to help their team leaders and team members to care more and create that culture of care? Absolutely. Like I think the the important thing is try to make it easy, right? I mean, people either have time or money, they rarely have both. And so what is it that your team needs to help? Because we know that there's impact in helping people, but it also helps yourself as you're as you're doing that. And, and we also know, or at least what I truly believe is that everybody wants to help somebody else. They just don't always know how. And so for us, it's the, the part of making that how easier. How do you help others? How do you make the systems so simple so that people can help? And so we try to create small events, um, really monthly, but if not monthly, quarterly within the organization to just do little things that'll make a difference. And, and one of them that I always bring up that's super simple is, you know, we went to our team and we said, who wants to lose five or 10 pounds? And like, everybody puts up their hand and we're like, <laughs> in your closet. So go home, let's clean out these closets. Let's get some stuff out of there that we are not using because, you know, we live in an environment where we have way more than we probably need to. And let's put them in bags and let's donate them. And so we did that and we collected like hundreds of pounds of stuff that we were able to give to the WINS shelter, Women's in Need shelter here in Calgary. And how simple is something like that? Like, what did it take? An hour, two hours of your time to clean up your place, which, you know, now all of a sudden you have a house that's cleaner. You've done your kind of pre-spring cleaning and you have stuff that you can donate to other people and they'll use it like it's new because they don't have what you have. And it was one of the simple things that, that that we were able to do and that all of our teams got behind because this was something easy for everybody to do. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's such, that's such good advice. When it comes to your teams and management and leadership, how do you infuse that level of care for community into the micro moments in at work where everyone's caring for each other? Any tips on that? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think we always go back to, you know, kind of your values and, and, and Trek as an organization, you know, we say Trek Dental, those are our four values, teamwork, respect, exceptional dentistry, and continuous and never ending improvement. And so, you know, we're rooted in our values. We talk about our values a fair amount, and then you have to live out those values for them to be, to be true. And I think it comes from the partners that we have and the team leads that we have, and then the assistants and the hygienists and the reception. And, Everybody understands that we put team first, we put people first. And, you know, I had an interesting kind of 
conversation slash online debate with somebody on LinkedIn. And they said, you know, what comes first, the clients, you know, the people or the owners? And it was interesting to see the split. You know, nobody said the owner because that would be a little bit, you know, egotistical of them to say I'm first. But it was actually quite split between what comes first. Does the client come first or does the team come first? And in our organization, it's always team first. It's always the people first because we know if we take care of the people, the people will take care of the clients that are coming in. And so if you build an organization that's built around the people that you have, all of these things just become easier because they trust that you have their back. And I think that's a big part of, you know, what an organization needs. I'm a big fan of, you know, reading different books and, and Patrick Lencioni's book, The Five Dysfunctions of Team, talks about the pyramid of trust and how you start with trust in an organization. And you can build trust, the rest will all come. But a lot of organizations don't start with getting to know people, like getting to know your team better. Who stops and makes sure that they know about the significant other, the kids, the dog, the what's going on in their lives, really getting to know each other better makes makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. I think that is so important. Great, That is a great book for sure. I remember I had a client once who the his boss never learned his kids' names after many, 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 many years of working together. And that was one of the reasons he wanted to find a different position, a different job. I think mm-hmm. it's so important. Well, I have to say though, with, when I was at that event, before I got on stage, you were on stage doing your thing. And um, I really, I could genuinely feel your words. And then what you were saying and talking about how, you know, as a team, we have the opportunity, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing you very, very, very poorly, but essentially that, you know, how we take care of our our clients and you're talking about your own philosophies as a company around that. And I was super inspired by that because you spoke in a way that made it, made me feel from an outsider looking in that you truly cared also about your clients, of course, your, your team as well. So it's not always the easy road I have learned uh, in business to take on what is values-based and right, but it certainly is um, always the most, I think, um, powerful in terms of impact and longevity. Is there has there been situations where it wasn't the easy road, it wasn't the most cost effective road, but it was so important that you're like, this is how we're going to do it. Where you had to like stand up and say, this is how we're going to do it because this is what I feel is right. Yeah, I mean, and 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 that's interesting that you bring that up because you know we're an organization, and and most people don't believe me when I say it, but we have no budgets, no targets, and no bonuses. I remember right? you saying that. Yes, and, and people are like, <laughs> well, how is that possible that you're this successful? When, you know, you don't have a target to hit, when your team is not, you know, looking at this goal that they need to hit, and then mm-hmm. they don't get, you know, financially compensated based on doing that. And and for us, again, it's, it's where we go back to, you know, you go back to your why. My why is motivating people to live well and give back. So we are creating a culture of making people live well. I mean, through dentistry, we're quite lucky. We see people kind of more often than they often see their doctors unless... Unfortunately, you have some sort of illness that you're dealing with. You know, if you're if you're a regular healthy person, you probably see your dentist more often than you see your doctor. So we have the ability to make change in our clients' lives on a daily basis by making them healthier and then making sure that they see also what's going on. But yeah, where does that where does that play out? Like, you know, it, it's nice to say that and 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 we do. And again, you know, we were I I run our new employee orientation. So every time we get new staff members on, I meet with them for four hours. And so usually there's a group of 
three to seven people, let's say that we'll do in a quarter that will, you know, meet with them. And I spend four hours with them, getting them to know who we are and why we think, you know, certain things are important and why there's no bonuses in the organization, because we know that bonuses are detrimental to organizations. I mean, that's been proven over and over again. We know that, you know, um, what, what drives people is not money. Money is part of it. You have to pay people well. I mean, you have to get off the ground started, making sure you're taking care of people's basic needs. But once you get past that, what people are looking for in organizations is not more money. They're looking for good places to work, the right people to work with. And then they're attracted by, you know, the, the things that you do. I mean, just recently today, one of my partners called me and she said, we have somebody that wants to join us. And it's actually because of the social responsibility. They have a great job. We knew the office that they worked at in Calgary, great people. And they said, they're just missing something in their job. They're getting paid well, and they've got a good group that they work with, but they're not getting the opportunity to help other people the way they think. And so they're willing to switch jobs and they're only considering us as an organization because they know what we're about. And it's like, well, that's making a difference. But when you look at it, and, and, and here's the thing, right? We have 18 practices, but we have sold or offboarded practices, four of them in actual total. And mm -hmm. when people say, well, why aren't you in the process of growing? And I said, yes. And, you know, one of our most successful practices, I mean, really all of them were quite successful. When things didn't line up perfectly, we gave our partners the option. Would you like to kind of line up better with the way that we have our values? Or would you like to own the practice on your own? And in a couple of situations, they said, we would just like to own the practice on our own. We love what you're doing but it doesn't line up with exactly what we're doing. And I said, perfect. I said, because I'd rather not fight you in terms of trying to do the things that we're doing, the way that we onboard people, the way that we bring in patients, the way that we treat our teams and the social responsibility that we're doing. If that doesn't line up with one of our partners and all of our offices have a business partner with them, a, a dentist that owns a portion of the office, then we're better off not working together because we're not going to fight it. And so, you know, we've sold some very, well-run, busy practices that were making, you know, the organization great money. But if it didn't line up with our values, we didn't want them on. And it's not that these were bad people. The values were just different, right? And we're allowed to be different. That's the great part about life. People don't all have to be the same, but we're quite stuck in the way that we do things and we don't want to change. And so that's probably one of the best ways that I can explain how, you know, we had to make a difficult decision because it wasn't lining up with the way that we were doing things. And the decision was, you know, get on board or get off board. And it worked out well for both sides. Mm. I think there's like all kinds of angles for your own personal and professional life that you can take that wisdom and use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. Right. I mean, it's just how do you live your life? And you want to surround yourself with people that believe in the things that you're doing and, and yeah. believe, you know, whole, wholeheartedly in the things that you're doing, not just because they think it's good business and they can make more money doing it, that it truly is the way that they want to experience, you know, their team, their patients, their lives. And so for us, I mean, we live by it every single day. It is about what we do and, and we love it because it brings more passion to the way that we do things, right? And, and people are looking for that. People are looking for purpose-driven organizations, right? I mean, it's not just about money. I mean, if we can do it without paying any sort of bonus, and that's unusual even in dentistry, which to me is a little bizarre, but um, being in the healthcare field and you can have bonuses, uh, but I think in any field, really, you know, when you mm -hmm. look at it, 
um, you know, what, what's the point of a bonus? And, and it was interesting. Again, I was at a, I was at a talk and this, you know, um, leader of a larger group of dental clinics, one that was significantly larger than us said, we're about people first. We're about teamwork first. We're about, you know, and they went down and they talked about, they said all the right things. And so at the end of the, you know, the uh, presentation, I went to a couple of the people that worked for them and I said, how do you get paid? They said, what do you mean? I said, well, how do you get paid? I'm not asking you how much you get paid. I said, how do you get paid? They said, well, I have a salary. Okay, great. And then do you get bonuses? And they said, yeah, I get bonuses. And I said, what are the bonuses based off of? And they're like, well, these metrics that we follow. And I said, well, I didn't hear those metrics when the, you know, the, the, the leader of the organization was talking about, you know, we're a values-based organization. Nowhere in those values was we were going to be more profitable or more, you know, successful or have more patients or have more appointments. I find it odd that that's how you get paid to succeed, but that are, those aren't the values that you're saying are part of your organization. And they didn't quite like when I talked to them about it because they're like, well, <laughs> I mean, we are values based and we care about people. And of course we do all of these things. And I'm like, yeah, but if you bonus people on metrics, then that's your value. That's, oh, those are the yeah. values that you're following. Because that's how you want people to achieve their goals. If their goals are based on whatever it is, you know, producing X number, making this many widgets, creating this many cars, if that's what you are paying people on, then that's what you what you as an organization value. Mm, wow. That is that is profound. That is that that should be a conversation that a lot of company owners and managers have. Together. Right. Because the challenge there then is, okay, well, can you be values-based and have a bonus, right? Because what if you still want to thank people or, you know, give something extra, right? Yeah. And, and here's the thing. It's like, well, can you use metrics to figure out how to get your values? So for us as an organization, now, again, we don't believe in bonuses, but let's just pretend that we wanted to try to figure it out. How do you quantify teamwork? There, there has to be ways around doing it. Quantify respect. Quantify exceptional dentistry. Quantify continuous improvement. There are ways around doing it, but you would have to then create a bonus system based on teamwork. And I'd, be, I'd get behind that if you could figure it out. I mean, I still wouldn't do it, but that would then make sense. And that's what I employ other businesses to look at is that look at your values and if you want to pay your team more, then figure out how to bonus based on value, based on your values. And if you can't, then stop calling yourself a value-based business. You're not. You're about profit. You're about production. You're about bottom line and own it. That's okay too. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that your values are different. And that misalignment, I've seen it again and again within organizations, that misalignment between what they say our values are and like you're saying, what people are compensated or rewarded for can mm -hmm. create so much resentment in between the two if if they're not aligned. And obviously they can't be in, in that context. But you know, there's one, one organization um, that I can recall where it was all about the people, community first, all about the people, but then they would never communicate anything to the people. So they're always in the dark and they didn't feel like they were cared for that way. And then, you know, their choices didn't matter and their perspectives. So there's that misalignment. So this is some really interesting stuff. And um, I, I applaud you for being able to kind of uh, swim against the normal 
current. And has that caused friction for you? And I know people listening are from all kinds of different industries, but like within your own industry, swimming against the current, is, has that been a challenge or has it been pretty, pretty easy for you? I mean, a little bit. I mean, obviously when you have conversations with people outside the organization, they're like, well, yeah. you know, that doesn't really work. And how do you do it? And I said, look, I can prove it to you. If I'd done it once, you'd say, okay, well, you've got this little like, you know, clinic that that's on its own and, and anybody can do anything once. But once you've been able to you know, do that over and over and over and over again. And now, you know, for us 18 times, people find it hard to, you know, knock you for what you're doing or say that, you know, it's, it's because, you know, you're at the office and you can do it on a, on a one-off basis. No, we can do it over and over again. And, and here's the crazy part and be more productive and more profitable than the average other business. But that's the part that people don't necessarily like. And, and here's the thing, it's not that they don't necessarily like it. They don't want to spend the time doing it. And that's mm. what I find to be the biggest problem is when I talk to people, they're like, this is great. We love what you talk about. And I said, so now are you going to close your office, right? You saw us. We closed our office for that day to do the retreat, but we yeah. close each of our offices three days a year to work on team development. And none of this has to do with dentistry. We don't talk about how to do a better implant or a better root canal or a better extraction. We talk about people. We talk about, you know, this year is be the change. That's our motto for the year. And then that's what, you know, we're, we're talking about, but which business is willing to close their business for three full days, pay their staff to be there. So they're not only losing money because they're not making money, there's no clients coming through the door, but then you're paying your team to actually show up to this. People just aren't willing to do it. And it's sad because what they don't realize is if you did that, your business would be more successful for it because you'd have alignment and the people would buy in because they know that you care. Our mm -hmm. teams work hard. They work really hard and they care about people and they care about us and we care about them. And the teamwork works so well because of the time and effort we take and we put into it. But other people aren't willing to put the time and effort in to get there. And do you think it's because uh, it caught in their mind it's, it's an expense or they're Absolutely. just not confident in their ability to kind of take on that type of leadership? But what, what do you think are the biggest barriers? I think it's, to be completely honest, I think it's cost. I think that they okay. think, well, I'm going to lose money by not opening my business and I'm in, you know, need to make money. And I think it's the, it's kind of the sad part about it, to be honest, because granted, you know, not everybody's going to have the ability to present or the ability to put presentations together or speak, but they can find people, right? They can find people like you to come in to help them do some of these things. They don't need to be able to do it themselves. But then the next thing is, well, I got to close my business and I got to pay Trisha to come in and talk to my team. And how are they going to learn how to do better when they get back to work? Like, shouldn't we take them on a course to do better implants? Shouldn't we take them? Dentists will pay for their teams to go to continuing education as long as it's a procedure-based continuing education that they can bring back to the office and put into play and then, you know, hopefully make more money off of it. Hmm. But not slow down to just take care of the team for the very fact of you just care about your people, like you just want them to be healthier, right? I mean, our, our last team build that I ran, I talked about um, intentional imbalance and how we want to build our lives around creating, you know, ways to do things that we control our lives. They're not always going to be perfect. We're not all going to work out an hour a day and eat six cups of veggies and eat, drink eight glasses <laughs> of water. That's not going to work every single day, but that's okay. Right. Yeah. As long as we control our day and we we intentionally imbalance it, 
so that maybe work is going to be more important right now. I'm in my 20s. I don't have kids. Work is going to be a bigger part of that. And then all of a sudden you're in your 30s or 40s. You have a wife, you have kids. Well, now my focus is going to change. I, you know, I get less free time because I got two little boys, but that's okay. That That's how I choose to spend my time. You know, my time doesn't choose how to run my day. And so we spend time with our teams, allowing them to talk about the biggest challenges going on in their lives. And it blew me away, the stuff that they were bringing up, because I thought the biggest challenge was how do I lose some weight? How do I work out a little bit more? How do I get better sleep? And literally the first person that put up their hand in our group was like, I need a better relationship with my seven-year-old son. Hmm. Okay. So I got to help you with that. And I'm not necessarily trained to help you with a relationship with your seven-year-old son, but but we owned it, right? We walked them through different things that they could do. There was more moms in the group that walked them through different things that could happen. And so as a group, we talked through how to make things better, hmm. right? Now, who's going to like? there's just not a lot of people that are going to slow down and do that. Yet I wish they would, because if they did, they'd, they'd, they'd have less of this great resignation of people leaving them and having challenges and finding staff. Because in dentistry, it's hard to find staff just like the rest of the world right now. It's, it's hard to find people to work for you um, and, and people will move on. I mean, we're not the perfect organization for everybody. We understand that. But when we're going to look for people, when they come and find you because of who you are, it's amazing how much easier it becomes to fill those roles. Mm, wow. That says it right there when they're coming to you. Let, if you don't mind, may I ask you some of your some questions around the mechanics of your leadership and, and how you work it in your clinic? So you were kind of mentioning about seasons of life right there. And I think that's a really big thing for people is everyone's in a different season of life. You know, you know some people have little kids, some people have aging parents or who knows what the situation is. Right. How do you help support um, people in the seasons of their lives, um, cause everyone's a little bit different in terms of like flexibility or like, on the day-to-day basis kind of thing. Do you have any kind of philosophies around that or tips for other managers and leaders? I mean, I think it's just asking the question, seeing how people are doing, right? It's, it's opening up the conversation to allow people to talk. I mean, mm-hmm. here's the, here's the honest truth is that being in dentistry, we are one of the least flexible roles out there because there's no work from home. If you work from home, you don't have a job because right. the only way that we can actually work is by putting our hands in people's mouths, meeting them in person, you know, doing the work that needs to be done. And so the challenge that we have in the industry is that the flexibility just doesn't exist. I mean, you can't just say, ah, tomorrow I kind of need a personal day. It's like you have patients in your schedule. Like, I mean, we can move them and, and you could take one, but you know, you're going to affect eight to 10 other people's lives by taking that one day off versus in other, you know, other industries, you know, you take a day off, you're sitting in front of your computer, you got some stuff to do. You could do it at nighttime. You could do it during the day. You could, you know, you could work from home. It doesn't work in dentistry. And so for us, it's, I think it's that much harder to, to build that. But, you know, one of the things that we do is that we make sure that there's a proper lunch built into everybody's schedule. And we try to plan lunches at the same time so that our teams get to decompress together, to have a conversation. Because mm-hmm. again, with dentistry, we're with patients. So there's no downtime. There's no like, hey, you want to just go grab a Starbucks? It's like, not possible. You've got a, a schedule full of patients. You know, you can't just go get a coffee or a smoke break in the middle of your day. It doesn't quite work like that. And so you have to, you have to do it differently. But I think the big part is, you know, just 
working within your team, getting to know the people around you. And, and you can tell if you're, if you're tuned into your team, if there's, you know, 10 to 12 people that you work with on average, um, you can see when people are off. And if you just take some time out of your day to ask them what's going on, people don't do that often enough. Um, mm-hmm. They don't, they don't spend the time getting to know each other, but also asking when there's challenges, nor talking about their challenges. I was actually, you know, I've gotten out of the whole, like, I, I, you know, one of my personal challenges right now is getting back to working out because I used to be like diligent. I mean, I owned a gym for eight years. Um, it just closed during COVID, unfortunately. Um, I was in the gym four or five, six times a week. And since COVID and having our second little one, that's been my biggest challenge is getting back into the gym. So this morning was my first time in a long time. I woke up early and I, I mean, I wake up early every day and I just usually play on my phone or stare at the ceiling, but I intentionally <laughs> got out of bed and, you know, went downstairs. I got a gym in the house. I mean, it's not a long ways to go, literally down two flights of stairs and, and here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I do work out, one of the other added benefits is I start listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And today I pulled out Brene Brown with Simon Sinek and uh, Adam Grant. Three of Ooh, them wow. in one. It's it's oh, amazing. Wow. Yep. But like, I mean, three of my favorite authors, like all in one podcast together is Brene Brown's broadcast. But they were just talking about how there's more organizations that are looking at this purpose thing. But but the people in the organization are now starting to force this to happen because they're leaving organizations that don't take care of them more than financial. And so it's interesting to see how that's changing because organizations, if you don't move, if you don't start caring about the people that you have around you, it's going to get even tougher for you because people are going to leave and and then it's going to be harder to attract people. And so, you know, it's the funny part that even if you don't want to do it, it's best if you do, otherwise you're going to struggle even further. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Contagious. The care is contagious. It matters to people. People want to feel heard, valued, and understood. So you're impacting people's lives by nurturing an environment and a company that really, that is fueled by that. So that's why I was like, I got to have you on my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you are, you are passion and impact put together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's important, right? And even when we interview people, like I, when I interview people, I always tell them, I was like, you know what? My expectation is you can do the job, right? I mean, you, you came you have a hygiene degree, you have a dental degree, you have an assisting degree. My expectation starts with you can do the job. We can train you to do, you know, special things or different things that we do. But what I need from you is who you are, right? That's what I need you to bring to the organization is that individual qualities that you have, but bringing that in to create, you know, a diverse teamwork. And and I will joke with people and I said, look, if if we can't go to dinner and have a good time and enjoy the conversation, then you probably won't last on the team a long time. And the reason is because we care about the people we we have on our team. And so we enjoy their company, right? So interestingly enough, and, you know, coming back from Guatemala, but in the last four weeks, you know, well, from middle of January to middle of February, I was only home for three days. I was at a conference in Boston for some implants. And then we went on a staff trip and we went down to Mexico with 50 of our staff members. And people are like, you travel with your staff members, like it's a holiday. Don't you want to get away from your team? And I'm like, no, I love <laughs> these people. Like these are like, you know, it, this is my family. And, you know, I, I wrote a small little, not really an article, more a post about how people are 
pushing back on work family. Stop using that term because they're not work family. They're, you know, you, you don't treat your family the same as you treat your coworkers. And I'm like, but I do. Like, it is my work family. Like, I travel with them on a holiday and we don't talk about dentistry out there. We're literally sitting on the beach, hanging out, having some drinks. Like, that's what that holiday is about. The team gets to choose. They can go to Mexico or they can come volunteer with us. Um, and and we enjoy that trip. Like, I, I took my family with me, but, you know, and other people can bring their family if they want. And a lot of people choose not to. It's just fun for the team members to go, you know, with other team members. But that's part of, you know, part of our organization. If you build it like that, you get to, you know, I call it the family I choose. Because here's the crazy thing. We all have people in our families that that we love. And we also probably have people in our families that are part of our family because they're blood part of our family. We didn't get to choose them. The people that I work with, we get to choose them. This is the family that I choose, which I think is almost more important because they get to choose to be with you and you get to choose to be with them. And if they choose not to be here, they can leave. And if you choose not to be here, you know, it, 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 it changes. But mm. I don't think people often look at it that way. Mm. You reminded me that I was going to send in my resume so I could get on one of those. Remember? <laughs> that is amazing. And when you're all down there kind of hanging out and getting to know each other, that obviously comes back to when you're in your actual work time and supporting each other and cheerleading each other on. What do you do in those situations where someone comes in and, you know, starts off strong as someone you'd like to go and have a fun dinner with, but then it doesn't necessarily work out that way. How do you manage those kind of situations? Because I think as leaders, we all run into that once or twice or a few times. Absolutely. Yeah, it can be really hard, right? Especially when you when you care. So how how do you manage that? Any tips for leaders on that one? I mean, I think the interesting part is that people feel if they belong and feel if they don't belong. And Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, again, we always say it doesn't make us better. It doesn't make them worse. It just means that this is not the right organization for them. And and we truly believe that, right? I mean, it's more important that you fit and you try your hardest than you're really good at your job. That's important. We want people that are really good at their job. But, you know, people talk about that. Do you want the person that's, that's really good but slacks all the time or the person that tries all the time and needs help in getting better? Or you're going to want the person that puts 100% of the effort in, not the lazy person that is just naturally good. That doesn't really help. That doesn't build that, you know, camaraderie amongst them. And so, you know, to be honest, if people don't fit, very often they find their way out of the organization because they realize that this is not exactly where they want to be. And again, if they don't fit, you know, we'll, we'll talk to them about it. I mean, we, you know, we have conversations, we meet, they meet with you know, the, the partner at the office, the team lead in the office and say, hey, how can we do this better? Um, we have some systems that we try to put into place to, to make them aware. You know, it's that EQ, right? Like to make sure that they understand what's going on and understand why maybe they don't fit. And then mm. if it doesn't work, I mean, you know, we're happy to offboard somebody that doesn't fit the organization. And, and we've done it, you know, numerous times. I mean, we had a just recently and an amazingly talented dentist, somebody that was very good, quality of care was unbelievable, could do any procedure that you asked them to do. And a year into it, we just said, you know what, this is not going to work. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm doing great. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm able to do dentistry. You asked me to do any procedures, I can do them. And I said, yeah, but the team doesn't feel like you support them or, or, or care. And, you know, there's no, there's no feeling of 
you fit. And they kind of looked at us and they're like, you can't really be serious, right? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, we're going to have to end this relationship because you don't fit. And again, it's that's a tough conversation. But, you know, I mean, it's like, hey, you're very good at what you do. You will fit somewhere because your hand skills, your skill set, the ability to treat patients, you're amazing at. But when the team can't get behind you, then there's that, you know, that there's that disconnect that happens. And when that disconnect happens, it just makes it makes work hard. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we come to work, we spend eight hours with the people that we spend, you know, we, we work with. We want it to be a fun day as well. We don't want it to be just about work. If we're not enjoying ourselves during the day, that's going to be a lot of, I mean, dentistry is stressful. I mean, nobody likes coming to the dentist, right? I mean, when you walk through the door and the patient walks through the door, they're already on edge when they just walk through that door because it's an uncomfortable environment. We try to make it as comfortable as we possibly can. But I mean, who wakes up in the morning saying, I want to go to the dentist. I'm so excited to go to the dentist. Nobody. Right? I have so, to say, though, I, I do really enjoy when you poke the gums to see how much, like, I don't know, gum loss there is. I just, I would go for a treatment of that. Right. I mean, that feels good, right? It's like, how, yeah. how deep can we <laughs> probe your pockets, right? Like, that's what we do, right? It's like, Love it. I sign me up. Can I do that every day? No. I mean, it's yeah. it's not something that people are signing up for in their free time. Mm, yeah, good point. If you could go back five years, what advice would you give yourself? Hmm. Oh, that's an interesting question. I, I mean, I think that, you know, understanding what people want in a relationship before necessarily getting into it. I mean, I think one of the, my, my biggest learnings in the last few years is we, um, we onboarded um, some pediatric dental clinics. So we brought on some clinics and through the relationship, what we realized is what they'd asked for from us wasn't what they were actually looking for. And, and the best way that I can explain that is that we help run, you know, we help with the business side, we help with the paying the bills and managing and doing the stuff that dentists are not good at so that dentists can do dentistry. And so we had a couple of partners join us. And what we quickly realized is one of the partners wanted to be the decision maker. They wanted to be the person that made all the management decisions and figured out how the business would be run. And all of a sudden, the relationship stopped working between us. And not because, again, they were a great person. I met them on a volunteer trip. Like that's, that, that's the you know, type of person this person is. But what they didn't realize was they asked us to help them because they were having trouble running the business. They were successful in terms of patients coming through the door, patients being very happy, but they weren't successful in running the business. It was challenging. There were bills to be paid. There was team members. There was, things weren't working the way they wanted them to. So we said, okay, well, here, let us help and let us do these things. But we got blocked everywhere along the way because one of the partners wanted to be the decision maker. And so, you know, a year and a half into the relationship, we said, this is not going to work. You're going to have to go back on your own because we can't help you anymore because you're not willing to listen to us because you want to make the decisions. And that's totally fine. It's your practice. You're the owner. You can make the decisions, but we can't do this together. And so if I'd known where that person wanted to be and how important making decisions was, I could have saved myself, to be honest, two years of heartache for everybody. It wasn't easy on either of us, on, on any of us. I mean, the business partners, the friends in the, and because we were also friends, we had groups of friends, and all of a sudden you're breaking up a partnership, right? 
if you could go back, what would you ask differently to get, you know, better so clarity? I, I think I would, I think I would kind of, you know, write out everybody's roles and responsibilities. You know, what is your role and responsibility? What's my role and responsibility? What's the third partner? Because there ended up being three separate partners. And, and the one partner that, you know, he knew his role and responsibility, he had that down. But for us as an organization, we look for partners that can do dentistry so that we can help manage the business. But if you want to be the manager of the business, then you don't need us because that's what we get to do. And so, you know, writing down the roles and responsibilities and what everybody did, because I think we just trusted that it would work because it had worked so many times for us, right? As an organization, we've grown with partners and every partner that's come to us has been like, hey, I care to do, I want to do dentistry. Can you do all the other stuff I don't want to do? And we're like, absolutely. Um, but in this situation, I, I think we missed it. I think we didn't realize that between the two partners, one was really wanting to be the managing partner and one was going to be doing the dentistry partner. And that didn't work in what we had created as Trek Dental. Mm. So yeah, just, I mean, taking a little more time to, to get to know, to get to know the rules and responsibilities because we knew the person, we knew the people involved and, you know, values lined up, but in this situation, you know, how the business was going to run didn't line up. That's a good insight. Something I think we could all probably apply to something in our businesses for sure. Mm-hmm. So if you look ahead, you know, 15 years, 10 years from now, what's what's coming up for Trek Dental? What kind of exciting plans do you have? Yeah, so that's an interesting one. People ask me all the time. So like what, like how many offices do you want to have? Like where do you want to grow to? And mm-hmm. and my answer is really simple. Is that we are only going to do this. We can help more people, but for all the right reasons. So if I talk to you, you know, Trisha, in two years and we have 18 practices, we'll have been super successful. And if we have 22 practices, we'll have been super successful. And if we have 25, but it doesn't matter because it's not about the number. Interesting, literally, again, yesterday, I had somebody reach out on LinkedIn saying, oh, I've seen you grow your all your practices. I want to own more dental practices. Can I talk to you about how to do it? And as soon as I hear that, I'm like, I'm not going to talk to you about how to do it because your ultimate goal is to own more practices. And I find that that's a problem. If your ultimate goal is to take care of more people, to build a culture in an organization that can help society get healthier or help get people out of pain, and what that does is it turns into a larger organization, then let's figure it out. If you come to, hey, how can we give back more in the dentistry world? I'm here. Let's have that conversation. Let's figure it out. But if you come to me and say, how can I own more practices to make more money? You don't line up. And so for us, we want to attract people that want to make a bigger impact in the world through dentistry. Um, But at the same time, we want to do it for all the right reasons. And so, you know, when people say, well, you could make more if you have more. And I'm like, yeah, then go into real estate. Like, that's a good business to like own more doors (laughs) And you're not affecting people's lives. You're not, I mean, the the whole point of real estate is to probably own more of it and rent it out and be fair to your tenants and and take care of them. But, you know, run it that way. If that's the, if that's what you're trying to do, then get out of dentistry. But if you want to be in the healthcare field, I think that you have to look at things differently and people will see through it. People see through the people in healthcare that are out there to just trying to make a dollar and not put the health of the people that are around you and the clients first. And, th- and that's got to be the case. And so for us, you know, if we get the opportunity to open some more clinics with the right people, absolutely we'll do it. And if we don't get the opportunity, but we just get to take our organization 
make it stronger and continue to help as many people as we can with the 200 people that we have, that's also success. Wow. You know, your leadership is both impactful and inspiring. I got to see it firsthand. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful you were able to spend a little time with us and offer some insights into how you've done your own um, leadership work and how you have created such a, a truly immersive organization that is values-based. I think you're making big impact in the dental industry, but beyond that, of course, as well. Now, before we wrap it all up, I have one more question for you. Ask all my guests this. What is the best wisdom that you've ever received? Oh, I think it's give without the expectation of receiving anything in return and just watch what happens in the world, right? And it's, and it's funny because you know, living that out, and I don't think I've told you this story, but it's a, probably a good ending, is that um, I was in Peru seven years ago um, on a volunteer trip helping people do dentistry. And there I met this wonderful hygienist that was from Edmonton that was helping people get healthier and better. You know, fast forward seven years, we're married and we have two kids. So look at the impact of social responsibility in my life. I went on a trip to help people and came back with a wife and now two beautiful kids. It's, it's giving without the expectation of receiving and watch what the world gives you. Oh, I love that. Jan, you are... You're pretty awesome. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks for sharing you with all of us. And for if anyone wants more information on yourself, obviously they can follow you on LinkedIn. That's Jan Jaffer, J-A-F-F-E-R. Uh, where else can people find you? Uh, Instagram, Dr. Trek, D-R-T-R-E-C. Um, or LinkedIn is kind of the probably the two best ways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, perfect. You can reach reach out to me through any of those if you want more insight or just to have a conversation. I mean, that's the best way to get a hold of me. And I also encourage everyone just to follow you on LinkedIn as well, just because your posts are inspiring and you can kind of glean a little bit out of each one, even for yourself, even if you're not, of course, in the dental industry too. Absolutely. I, I try to stay out of dentistry, to be completely honest. Most of the posts are not, you know, necessarily dentistry related. So mm -hmm. They're human related, which is what you're so good at. And again, thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being on Passion for Impact. Great. Thanks, Trisha. Passion for Impact is sponsored by the Inspire Store. Need a gift that inspires? Inspire Store features exclusive ethically made goods and jewelry that embodies these three words. Yes, you can. Every purchase supports Food Banks Canada. Plus, you will receive Trisha Miltimore's popular personal development Shift Up e-course. Empowerment awaits you. Shop with impact at inspirestore.org. If you love learning how to live and lead in a caring and fulfilling way, and you find this show inspiring, please share with your friends, rate and review this podcast. Passion for Impact, it's brought to you by Rock Your Leadership. We train leaders on how to grow success, drive change and not burn out. Visit passionigniter.ca for more details. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Passion for Impact podcast. Visit passionigniter.ca forward slash podcast to subscribe for episode notes, links and special offers from show guests. Cast your vote. Make your impact. One socially conscious choice at a time.